0: Christine here. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Seas. This week we'll be talking about a continuation from a previous episode where I spoke about some of the things I've learned uh, being in a management position. So today I'm bringing to the table some specific tools that I have learned uh, in a leadership training that my HR team went over. So we'll just get right in, kick it off by talking about delivering feedback. I don't know if this is common where a lot of people work, but it's super common in my workplace for people to ask for feedback and they just want more feedback all the time. I think it comes partially from working at a place where there's a lot of entry level people who are looking to grow in their career. So they want that positive and negative feedback all the time to know what to work on, know what they're doing well, etc, etc. Obviously, delivering positive feedback is super easy, and I try to remember to do that all the time, but delivering critical feedback can be a little bit more challenging, especially when you anticipate a disagreement or some sort of conflict to arise from it. So I actually had gone through a situation at work where I delivered critical feedback and the person I was delivering that critical feedback to Just completely disagreed with the feedback. It was really uncomfortable because I could not get this person to see why what they had done was wrong. And a few weeks later, I go through this leadership training and I realized what was missing. So, when you deliver feedback, a really easy methodology to use is to describe the situation, the behavior the impact, and then the change that needs to occur. And I was pretty good on the situation, the behavior, and the change, but I did not hone in on the impact. And what that allowed for was room for this person to get very defensive because I explained the exact situation I was talking about. And when you have a disagreement with someone about a situation, it's really easy for that person to come back and say, what happened from their perspective and get really defensive and defend why they feel the way that they do. And then it turns into an altercation and you're not really getting anywhere. Whereas if I had delivered the feedback that when you acted this way, it made the entire rest of the team feel shut out. And we had to scramble to cover for you by noting that impact, I would have had a better resolution um, most likely come about because it's really hard to argue with the impact, especially when the impact is more than just me. At the time, I didn't really want to bring other people into it. I felt like this is, this, this is a situation I need to handle. I will talk about what happened and we'll go from there. But I learned through this leadership training that I took that you actually should describe the impact of what happened. And if that impact is this negatively impacted the rest of your teammates, then that's something that I need to say.
1: Hello, everyone. I am here on the podcast as well. Thanks for the introduction.
0: <laughs> I just dove right in.
1: Yes. I'm wondering if we can do an exercise quickly here on this delivery that you made. And if we can do it now with hindsight and knowing what you did wrong, but add it in that impact section. So pretend that I'm the employee that you were giving the feedback to, and go through that situation again, not to use a word that's a part of that formula, but go through that experience again and add in the impact part that you left out so people can see or people can hear each specific aspect that you're talking about in a mostly real life example, but using me in place of the actual person that you did it for.
0: We can do that. Would you also like me to re-record the intro so that you are introduced? No, I'm good. <laughs> okay. So, I wanted to talk today about a situation that occurred recently.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Can you start it, like, right from the beginning, just be, like, the narrator and say, like, okay, I'm bringing in Colin to talk about, like, give us some context as to why I'm coming in to have a conversation with you. <coughs>
0: Okay. Okay, so a little behind-the-scenes narration. I am bringing Colin in to talk about a situation that happened recently, which was that I made a decision about something we should do for one of our clients that my direct report, Colin, disagreed with. Thanks for taking a few minutes to sit down with me today, Colin. I wanted to talk about what happened earlier, and that was that... I made a decision that you disagreed with, and your reaction to that situation was to just completely shut down and decide that if we were going in a direction that you didn't want to take, that you weren't going to participate in it.
1: So right there, I think you just covered situation and behavior, correct?
0: Correct. But I'm not going to say situation, behavior, impact, change out loud to this person. But just just for the exercise. Yes, just for the exercise. So when you decided to shut down in this situation or when you felt like you didn't want to participate anymore in the work that needed to be done because it was something you didn't want to do, that impacted the rest of the team. We all had to step in and do extra work that wasn't technically assigned to us because we felt abandoned and there was a job that needed to be done and you decided not to do it. So unfortunately at the end of the day, you have to do work you don't want to do sometimes. And you're not always going to agree with the decisions that I make. But at the end of the day, I am in charge of how this account is run And if I make a decision that you disagree with, you ultimately still have to go with it. There is a point where you can push back with me, but there's also a point where I have made the decision and the action needs to be taken. And in the future, if we have a disagreement about what needs to be done, I still need you to step up and do it so that the rest of the team doesn't have to step up in your place. I think that covered the... Impact and the change.
1: Okay, good. So we got through all four aspects. Now, when you closed the conversation, how did it end? Like, Did it just end abruptly? Did you offer any consolation? Was there anything additional when the conversation ended?
0: When I did deliver this feedback, I left a lot of room for... Feedback to come back my way. And I think what I learned from doing that is that was not as helpful because sometimes if you, it depends on the person, but sometimes if you allow room for that to happen, then the person isn't going to take your feedback as seriously and understand that you are delivering them critical feedback and this is something that needs to change. You need to say, next time this happens, I need you to do this instead of saying, instead of asking a lot of questions and asking how they feel about it, I can end the conversation by saying, does that make sense? Or do you understand? Or are we on the same page? But that is where I would end it.
1: Right. So ultimately what I was getting to is that last part that you talked about where when you end a conversation. So we talk about this all the time when I talk to people about, having difficult conversations. You want to end the conversation by first asking and making sure that the other person is receiving the information that you're articulating in the way that you think you're articulating it. Does it make sense? Do they understand you in the way that you think you are coming across? And then I do always like to throw this out because I don't think people in leadership positions should necessarily put their employees in the corners and they shouldn't feel like they don't have an opportunity to provide their own feedback and say why they did this or why they did that. Just let them know that it's not an ultimatum. If they have something else they want to talk about in regards to that, like when, whether it's right there in the moment or they think about it for a day and they come back and they they say, okay, this is why I did X, Y, Z. I thought this was a good approach. Is it not? But I want to tell you, this is why I did it. And Let you know that I wasn't just being negligent or not caring about the result or things like that. So I think there, and with everything, there's always going to be that line, but you don't want to come off as a dictator when you're a leader. So you do want to be able to deliver critical feedback, but also tell your employee that they have the opportunity to continue the conversation and ask questions and provide their own feedback or context into why they were doing things because some, some ways that's how people learn.
0: And I think that's fair. I think another opening I could have left was that if you do want to discuss this further, my door is always open. But even if you are able to provide me with a good explanation of why you behaved in this way, it doesn't change the fact that I need you to change that behavior in the future. Mm -hmm. So I agree. I like it.
1: The important thing is you just want to be able to communicate all the way through the conversation. Like you don't want to get through those four different aspects and think that you've closed the conversation without actually closing it. Right?
0: Right. So I think that kind of covers the feedback portion. Uh, The next piece that I wanted to talk about was how you coach different people. So I think most people are aware of this at some level, but may not have a tool that they use to think about this. But when you treat everyone on your team differently, like they all need to be managed differently. Some people need a lot of support and some people need a lot of direction. And there's varying levels of that that people need. But most people move through a kind of quadrant of how much directive how much direction they need and how much support that they need. And I think what's interesting to me about this tool is it, I learned something about how I manage from thinking about it. So I'm going to ask you this question and see if you maybe have the same answer. So let's say you have someone on your team who has always done great work and really knows what they're doing. So you usually just delegate to them. You tell them that the task needs to be done And they get that task back to you. And this time the task is incorrect. How do you handle getting that task done correctly?
1: So I have a recent example of this. And I wouldn't say it's one of the highest state situations, but... I have an intern, and she is putting together some social media posts for Talent 409. That's one of her responsibilities. I noticed on one of the posts, I think it was, this This is how much of a big deal it really wasn't, but still a big enough deal that I felt I needed to say something about it. I think she misspelled a name, or she misspelled some type of word. It was It was something along those lines. And I noticed it, and it was actually the day after I had made an error in a post for Podcast Monday. And somebody had actually been nice enough to reach out to me to say, hey, you have this big error, a bigger error than she had in her post on my own post. So it's coming the day after, and I'm obviously being a little bit more aware of these things and vigilant about them. And I see it, and she's done great work before. She's doing great work now and she'll continue to do great work after. But I felt like that was a moment where I could just teach a really simple lesson in the fact that when you are posting for a brand, for example, and you make a mistake like that, it may seem like a small thing, but you're representing the brand and if someone's coming to that brand for the first time it's the whole Joe DiMaggio thing like someone's coming to see him play for the first or last time he's going to give it all he has like that was his attitude on the field and it's the same thing when you're making Instagram posts for example you want to make sure everything is clear everything is put together correctly because it could be that person's first time seeing a post from the brand and if they catch that mistake if I caught it and I'm not really usually looking for mistakes then somebody else is going to catch it. And that's just a bad thing. So anyways, the way that I went about this, I just felt like I didn't need to scold her, obviously, but I wanted to point it out. So I took a screenshot of it. I sent her a text and I really just prefaced it with everything I just said and said, hey, this is really not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. But I told her the story of how I messed up the day before and that I caught this, and I said, we both should just be a little bit more careful when we're making posts. Try not to make the same mistake twice. Like, that's a big thing. Don Mattingly said that before. Like, you're going to make mistakes. Don't make the same mistake twice. So, learning from it, and I think... That I went about it that way and I didn't like just call her out and say, hey, you made a huge mistake. Like, why'd you do that? And get all mad at her and everything like that would have just totally turned her off. So I took a gentle, soft approach to it, kind of a positive affirmation approach to it and just said, hey, it's not a big deal. You did make a mistake. Let's fix it for next time. I I don't even think I made her fix it for that one. I just said, hey, in the future, let's just be a little bit more careful.
0: I like it. And that's a good way to handle it. I think it's kind of an example of what I'm talking about here, but you actually did the right thing. So when someone is when you're dealing with someone that you usually delegate work to, that means you are not giving them a ton of support or a ton of direction, you're just giving them the task and then expecting them to get it done. So I had this situation happen. And a mistake was made. And I don't think it was the first time a mistake was made. Uh, I think this was a situation that repeated itself, not the same mistake over and over, but there were multiple mistakes in a short period of time. And when that happens, you are actually supposed to give more support, some more positive encouragement. And what I actually did was take it back to the low support, high direction approach, which is how you would treat someone pretty much who like just started. So I took someone who I knew knew what they were doing, but made mistakes and took the attitude of, well, you've made public mistakes that made me look bad a few times. Now I'm either going to just do this work myself, or I'm going to tell you exactly explicitly how I want it done. And then you need to do it that way. And that is actually the opposite approach of what I should have done. I should have just said, it's understandable, mistakes happen sometimes. Let me know how I can help support you with this. Obviously it needs to be redone now that we know that there was a mistake, but I'm here for you, whatever you need to make this right. So that is something that I try really hard to keep in mind now when I know that a mistake has happened to someone that I delegated a task to. And apparently it's a very common thing for people in management to do. And it's really hard in the moment. Like I'm getting in trouble for someone else's mistakes. I'm probably going to overcorrect in that situation. So good learning moment for me.
1: Yeah, and another really great point in this, and maybe we can talk about this on another podcast, is the reason that you acted in the way that you did is really more of a reflection of the leadership above you and this happens all the time and we're conditioned to in the corporate world just see money as the bottom line and if you're not making money then you're not doing good work and in sports it's all about winning if you're not winning then you're not doing the right things. So it's a really bad way to condition the mind because then that is you act in that way because you're scared and it's you're fighting for survival, essentially, and it shouldn't be like that. So I don't want you to it's great that you're learning from your mistakes, but I also just want to point out that if someone else is in a situation like that, that sometimes that's a reflection of leadership ahead of you or above you that they're probably not leading in the right way either.
0: Yeah, 100%. I could see that being the case. So that brings me to my last kind of point that I wanted to talk about and have some almost sub bullets for this one. But the other big thing I learned about was the change curve and that everyone needs to go through the change curve every time a change happens. So that makes sense in its own way. But one thing I didn't think about is that while people are navigating the change curve, productivity goes down for a little while. And it makes sense because people are having anxiety about the change. They're analyzing the change. When your mind is so occupied by the change, your productivity is going to be lower. And some changes people don't ever move through. I remember being at a job where my role got eliminated and... I was so upset about it that I actually never moved through the change curve. I never got to the point where I'm accepting this is how things are. What I did was, okay, I absolutely cannot accept working here with this change. I am going to leave. And that's what I did. I found another job. But it's good to just recognize that this is a... a, timeline that everyone needs to go through. Even if it takes you a couple minutes to get through it, you still have to go through it. You have to think about what the change is, how it impacts you, and then move on from there. Um, I think there's a couple interesting things about it from being in a position of management. One is that when a big change happens at a company, I now have to not only deal with the change curve myself and go through it, but try to influence everyone else that is going through the change curve that reports to me. So we've recently gone through a pretty big change in my company, and I am having a harder time getting through the change curve. It's taking me a little longer than it usually does, just because it was a huge, rock-shaking change. And it's hard for me to be in a place where I'm not in the acceptance stage yet, but I need to tried to help other people move to the acceptance stage. So it's interesting to see it from both of those angles. The other thing that I find interesting about this is that we talked about how some people are just more resilient to change than others. And part of that comes from your mentality. And a big impact on resilience comes from the way you take care of yourself. So people who exercise, people who eat better, People who take care of their mental health, people who have a life outside of work, tend to move through the change curve at a healthier rate. I mean, like I said, there was a change that I refused to move through at one point, so there's still, there's only so far resilience can take you, is what I'm trying to say in some cases, but it was interesting to me because I have seen people get hit really hard by changes and... I just have thought to myself, if you were taking care of yourself, you wouldn't feel this bad about it right now. But I always thought that in my head, and it was reassuring to hear that from someone who's trained in this out loud. So those were the tools that I learned about in my leadership training, and I was hoping to bring some very applicable direction to this podcast so that people could walk away knowing some new things that they can apply to situations that they're in. And again, sorry I didn't introduce Colin in the beginning. Obviously, I was really excited to talk about these things, and I wasn't quite sure where he was going to fit into the mix, but he was here, and he did great. Nice job.
1: (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in for the latest episode of Behind the Seas. We are back on Monday for another guest episode since we have five Mondays this month please stay tuned for that it's a special one to kick off the start of baseball season next week and until next time take it easy